You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and I can't believe that 2024 marks 10 years of podcasting. Over the last decade, I have had the pleasure of talking with hundreds upon hundreds of passionate outdoors men and women who share the same excitement for hunting as I do. Whether you hunt public lands or private property, shoot traditional archery equipment or high-powered rifles, we all have one thing in common, and that's our love for the great outdoors. This year, I plan on continuing that tradition and bringing educational and entertaining content to your ears. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you all have the best seasons of your life. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Here we go again, Nine Finger Chronicles time. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. First off, I want to say, uh, you heard the little blurb uh, at the beginning of the, you know, the little section where I say that the Nine Finger Chronicles is going on 10 years. And I do really want to thank each and every one of you for taking time out of your week to download and listen and comment and support the Nine Finger Chronicles and Full Sneak Gear. I really do appreciate that. And uh, man, I'm just trying to evolve along with everybody else in this crazy world full of technology. And uh, I hope I'm doing a good job at it. So if you could do me a huge favor, go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and give me a five-star review. Let everybody know how much information uh, and entertainment is on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast and the Hunting Gear podcast and all the other Sportsman's Empire podcasts that there are. I would really appreciate that, man. So um, there's that. Now, today, we're talking with Justin Taylor, and he lives in northern New York, and he reached out to me, what, a handful of days ago, and he's like, hey, man, I think there might be a little bit of a misconception of what big woods hunting actually is. And that means, long story, you'll hear in the conversation, long story short, that 
agriculture does not influence the deer movement, okay? And I know in certain areas, agriculture has such a huge impact, example, Iowa, that no matter where you turn, deer are influenced by crop ground, okay? And so he talks a little bit about what he feels is a misconception about hunting ag ground or hunting a block of timber that is surrounded by ag. I used to think that I, I in a certain way, was a big woods hunter because I do have a block of timber that I can hunt that's roughly 200 acres. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's 150, 200 acres, something like that. And it's surrounded by ag. And even though that block of timber, deer are, are in some way, shape or form using agriculture in their weekly routine, some way, shape or form. They're, they're hitting field edges, they're going out in the fields, whatever the case may be. So therefore, I'm not necessarily a big woods hunter, okay? And so he talks about the uh, similarities, he talks about the differences, he talks about growing up in Michigan. Uh, one of the conversations that I don't think has had enough, not only on just podcasts, but I'm talking about on all conversations between all hunters, and that is the direction in which hunting is going. And I don't, I don't think it's going in, in a great direction. If, if you guys had the opportunity to listen to me and Aaron Warbritton talk about this topic, the direction of hunting, uh, it just seems like we're the, the big buck craze is leading to less hunters per acre so it it is it is taking more more hunters are taking up more acres per hunter um and there's people being displaced and there are uh, people losing properties and now it's becoming a pay to play type of environment where if you want to shoot a big buck you're gonna have to pay for it right and so you either have to own ground and kick people off or you know or buy a piece of ground kick people off or lease ground or and kick people off or outfit in which case the outfitter is kicking people off of those properties and so i just i don't know i just feel it's conversations that need to be had on had on a regular basis i know a lot of you guys just want the details right we we just want the entertainment we want the um how do i put this we we want Maybe I don't know how to say it, but we don't want to worry about it, right? But unfortunately, and this is the way I feel in 20 years, man, if we've lost, we've lost so much ground in 20 years, what are we going to be like in the next 20 years, right? To this day, I've never had to pay for a property um, to hunt. I've never had to lease any ground to hunt. It's either been on public or permission private. And as we all know, I don't care what state you're in, public is becoming more and more of a necessity for hunters because they are getting displaced from private grounds. And on top of that, you know, we were just, I don't know, I could go on and on and on uh, about it, but I'm going to just say it's a good episode. It's a great conversation. And we do end up getting into mountain bucks, right? So we have this 30 minute BS session up front. Basically, it's just me ranting because every day I look at social media, I just see more greed. 
I see more unrealistic expectations set on hunters and I don't like it. And so that's why I talk about these things. Okay. All right. So before we get into today's episode, I do have to completely whore out here like I always do. Right. And I talk about that. I talk about, you know, like I'm, I don't like the direction it's going yet. I am in the industry and I am benefiting financially from it. So in a way I'm a hypocrite and I don't like that either. Right. So, um, it's, it's a thought that I'm, I think about it every day. I, I'm saying, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? What should I do? And uh, it all leads back to just talking about this with as many people as I can and uh, hearing both sides of the story on all of these aspect, aspects. And so anyway, before we get into today's episode, I do have to do commercials. And uh, real quick, I'm going to run through these guys. If you're looking for a saddle or saddle hunting accessories, go check out tetherednation.com. Tethered has saddle, saddle hunting accessories. On top of that, they have a huge library of content that will help you become a better saddle hunter. Right, so go check out Tethered. Uh, wasparchery.com. I had a really interesting conversation with a gentleman uh, the other day about broadheads and uh, I just keep coming back to wasp man I, I love the design I love that a majority of their heads are still made in America which is very important to a lot of people including myself and uh, I like their performance right so you have the what they do how they do it and the material they use and the manufacturing that they use it's a no-brainer right wasparchery.com i do have a discount code nfc20 vortex optics man i'm really looking forward uh this summer they're having a, a, a gathering that i've been invited to up at vortex and i'll tell you this man vortex is full of great people and that translates into their product which is a superior product right so if you're looking for binoculars if you're looking for a spotting scope if you're looking for a rifle scope please go check out uh, wasp archery and uh, all the optics that they have and read up on their vip warranty right and so these guys uh are doing it and doing it the right way vortexoptics.com code blue sense um, I am looking forward to shed hunting season. Why? To freshen up my mock scrapes. I will be freshening up my mock scrapes uh, in uh, during when I go shed hunting, and that's going to be in a week or so. And uh, even though it's that time of year, it's, I mean, you you want them to continuously visit that site, that that location, and you do that by continuously laying scent on it and so i'm looking forward to uh putting some more pre-orbital uh gland scent and then some mock scrape uh scents on uh on my mock scrape locations i do have a discount code for code blue scents and that is nfc20 for 20 percent off woodman's pal while i'm saying while i'm shed hunting in my backpack i'm gonna have a uh, a woodman's pal machete habitat tool call it what you want but it's going to be uh, in my pack and I'm going to be hacking some limbs. I'm going to be cutting some shooting lanes. I'm going to be trimming out my trail camera locations and making sure I don't get any uh, false triggers of just grass blowing. So if you uh, are in, in for a tool, looking for a tool like that, it's badass. Made in America since the 1940s. Uh, Woodmanspal.com. Next is Huntworth. If you're looking for a badass clothing line camel, camel, you're going to need to check out Huntworth uh, 
hunwithgear.com. I'm telling you right now, in my opinion, and for the for the money, these guys have the best selection of camo on the market. Uh, their layering system is legit. Their base layers are legit, and then you just pick what kind of environment that you're that you hunt in, and they have products for you. So huntworthgear.com, go check it out. And then of course, full sneak gear. Man, I got the Slayer uh, T-shirt in. I got. Uh, I had a reorder come in. So please, right now, go to fullsneakgear.com and just check out what I have available. And if you like something, buy it. Very simple. Yeah, I'm looking right now. I'm looking at my full sneak bow hunting crew neck. It's legit, dude. It's a sweet ass hoodie, or excuse me, a crew neck. And it can, it's very comfortable in all of the t-shirts. These aren't just shithole t-shirts. These are high quality uh, t-shirts. And uh, I'm proud of how they're made, where they made, who makes them, and uh, the designs that are on them. So if you have any questions, reach out to me on uh, Instagram or whatever. Uh, but fullsneakgear.com, go check it out. And now, after 10 minutes of ranting, let's get into today's episode where we talk a, a little bit about everything deer hunting related enjoy three two one all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the nine finger chronicles today i am joined by justin taylor i don't even know where you're from where are you from uh originally I'm, i grew up in michigan but i settled in upstate new york upstate new york okay cool all right so you're an east coaster by default right now Great. right okay all right. Well, first off, man, uh, welcome to the show. You reached out to me, man, what was it, yesterday even? Or maybe yeah. the, the day before? And uh, we started communicating a little bit. And you said, hey, man, I got an idea for um, a podcast. Long story short, we're going to talk about big woods hunting today and your thoughts on on that. And uh, And so that's the topic. But before we get into today's episode, we got to talk about a couple things, and I want to hear your opinion. First off, why don't we start? Uh, what do you do for a living? Uh, I just started a taxidermy business. I retired in August from the military after like twelve years of service. So, uh, yeah, I kind of just hang out till my, you know, till I can get my business going. Yeah, you know, it takes it takes a minute, uh, especially being a new guy on the block, you know, and. Everyone around me has been in the business for like 30 plus years. So it's kind of hard to compete with, you know, people that have clientele like that and the reputations that they have. So, yeah. 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 So. That's one thing about taxidermy is, um, so I, I go to this guy named Sam Gaylord down in Fort Madison, Iowa, and he owns old barn taxidermy. And he said to oh, me, yeah. he goes, cheating on your taxidermist is worse than cheating on your wife. <laughs> so ba yeah. basically what he's getting at is that, you know, once you're, once you're with a, a taxidermist, you're, most people are with them for a long period of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so what made you want to, you know, with your retirement, what made you want to get into taxidermy? Um, well, it's going to sound kind of weird, but, uh, when I was in high school, I dated this girl and her dad was a taxidermist and I grew up like hunting. I had, you know, I, I generations of hunters, uh, like great grandpa, great, great grandpa, all those guys hunted, uh, and none of them ever had anything mounted ever. Yeah. And I was like, 
man, we have like, you know, boxes of antlers. And it's like, why? You know, and they were just like, oh, we just don't know, you know, anything about it. And I started dating this girl and I went in her dad's shop and I was just blown away. I was like, holy shit. You know, I was like, I mean, this dude's doing African stuff and everything. And I was just like, wow, uh, this is, this is pretty legit. And, um, you know, I always wanted to join the military. So I, I went there and then now that, you know, it came my time to get out. I was like, well, I love the outdoors. I like, I, I don't want to have a boss again. So where, you know, what can I do to still be, you know, have those two going for me. So I decided right. to go to school for tax attorney. Awesome. Well, that's, yeah. that's great, man. Um, so far, I mean, have you graduated taxidermy school already? Yeah, I went to taxidermy school down in Pennsylvania. Okay. And um, uh, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't quite what I expected it to be. Uh, I had a higher expectations for the school. I'm not going to name the school, but, uh, but leaving there, I, I kind of had more questions than I, you know, it was mm-hmm. like, man, uh, all right, well, that was different. But like this spring, I'm going to do a, uh, like a five, six week apprenticeship. And this is actually, this is also going to sound kind of weird with my ex's dad. He, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he invited me, uh, he invited me back to Michigan. Cause I mean, he's the only guy that I really knew. Yeah. So I, you know, whenever I'd have a client come, I'd, I'd just shoot him a text and just be like, Hey man, I know I haven't talked to you in years, but you know, this is what I'm doing. And he was like, Oh yeah, that's super cool, man. And he's been helping me with a lot of stuff. And, um, He's like, you know, I have an idea. He's like, why don't you just come here, go come, go back to Michigan, like kind of by where I grew up. And um, he's like, just apprentice for me for like a month and a half. Help me get caught up on everything that I need to do. And I think it'll answer a lot of your questions. So uh, that's pretty much like, I, I I think I'll get more out of that yeah. than actually when I went to school. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't get shit out of college, right? Uh Right. going to school for uh, except how to drink massive amounts of alcohol in a short period of time. Right. right. And then you leave college and you're like, what did I actually, t- you know, take away from this? And then right. all that experience comes in the, you know, when you're joining the workforce or when you start to do whatever it is that you do. And so, uh, kudos, kudos to you for, you know, starting something brand new. How old are you by chance? 34, 34. Oh shit. Yeah, so this is, yeah, yeah, this is pretty, this is perfect time, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, good luck on that. I, I know that, um, do, you, do you feel like you're just going to come back to Pennsylvania and rock and roll, or, or are you going to be, like, approaching other taxidermists and saying, hey, man, if you have any runoff or you need to outsource some of your work, hit me up? Um. Yeah, I, uh, the whole, yeah, like, I'm super cautious about, uh, I wouldn't say it's, like, fear of failure, mm-hmm. but I would say it's, like, taking on more than I can handle, oh, yeah. like, right off the rip, but so far, I haven't experienced that, so I think, like, when I do come back, I'm just gonna keep rolling with the punches, and, uh, a lot of guys up here, uh, I've already kind of taken that approach and called a couple different tax terms in the area and said, hey, you know, like, if there's something you don't want to like deal with, then, you know, I'm here, you know, I could do like the easier stuff, but I pretty much gotten like a, you know, like, uh, yeah, maybe we'll see. Yeah. And that, that's it. Yeah. 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 Well, it's cutthroat out there in all business, yeah. man. So good luck. Good luck with all that. Now 
I don't know how, let me ask you a, a kind of a weird question. How much time do you spend on social media? If any, Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's funny that you actually asked that because like a couple weeks ago, um, I only have Instagram mm -hmm. and on Instagram, it tells you, uh, you can look, uh, how much time you spend on yep. Instagram or whatever. So I was like, this is going to sound terrible, but I was spending like two and a half hours a day yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. And it was just like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I've lowered my phone a lot. Yeah, then. man. I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I see, I, I, I myself from basically what I do for a living, you know, I have to be on there X amount of times in order right. to, uh, to make the, my social media posts to promote my companies and uh, things like that. And yeah. the, the bad part about that is I'll go and do that and then I'll unconsciously or subconsciously just start scrolling. And the next thing you know, I'm on there for, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And I'm just like, wait, what, what happened here? What did I, what yeah. did I, what did I do? And so, um, man, it is, it's a drug straight up. It is. It is. A, yeah. It's a drug straight up. And so, um, that, that there's a lot of time wasted throughout a given day by not just myself, but by all people when they could go out and do something spectacular with their life like start a yeah. taxidermy company start a podcast you know do you know do all these things you know there are people out there who make a really good living off social media but here's the point i wanted to make is i feel that social media is going to eventually lead to one of the biggest downfalls in outdoors. Like I really, I, I was thinking about this this morning, but I haven't properly put together a thought on it yet. But what I'm getting at is how social media works, how people score deer, how hunting is becoming a pay to play type of environment where in order yeah. in order to hunt you have to spend money now right you know there's yeah. an argument for public land but public land is becoming more and more overrun every single year people are being displaced when a non-resident comes into an area or even a, a resident buys a, a chunk of land kicks everybody off and and uh, the whole conversation that I've had in the past is there is more hunt. Uh, a single hunter now is taking up more acres per hunter than, th than there used to be. And so yeah. as, as that number increases, somebody's falling off somewhere. And so right. that's a long way of saying that, man, we are whoring out our natural resource. We, we are pimping white-tailed deer, and it's not good, man. It is not no. good. And I have a, I, I'm starting to have a problem with it, and I am realizing at the same time that I'm saying that, I am also part of that problem, right? I feel that I make my money off of, in a, in a, maybe it's direct, maybe it's indirect, whatever, from talking about deer hunting and I feel that I'm, I'm part of that problem. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a pimp. 
and I am benefiting financially off the natural resource. And like, here's here's where the rant starts to like starts to snowball. How often do you hear uh, the biggest names in the hunting industry talk about conservation? Not very often. Not very often. If they do, they're probably getting paid to do so, right? Yeah. And so, in my yeah. opinion, con- uh, conservation is something you do for free, something you do without a benefit for yourself. It's the benefit for the greater good. And you're not seeing that anymore, right? The only thing people are interested in is how big of a buck can I shoot? I'm going to post it on uh, Instagram. I'm going to get the clout and I'm going to, I'm going to be the shit for just a small period of time. And then, you know, and, and, and all this shit. And so, man, I just am, I'm starting to get more and more frustrated as time goes on because of of the direction hunting is going and maybe you're not directly in the hunting industry, but what are your thoughts on where hunting is going and how the natural resources may or may not be taken advantage of? I've talked a lot about this with a lot of my friends that uh, don't own private land. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am pretty privileged that we have a farm back in Michigan that's roughly 170 acres and it's surrounded by ag which is great hunting um I know everyone trashes Michigan all the time Mm -hmm. about deer hunting but I mean we just had like a 168 killed off the property this last year I mean we're getting bigger you know um and like I'm I was talking with my girlfriend about this because she also has a farm in New York and we recently just gave everybody on the farm the boot. Mm. And because I I moved up here in 2019, and that's when I first started hunting public land. Uh, honestly, like I, I've only hunted like Michigan and Texas a little bit and out in California. Like wherever I was stationed, I yeah. hunted there. But that was on military installation, so it's kind of like you're not really on public. But, yeah. you know, um, so... I would say it sounds crazy, but like, I think COVID changed everything as far as like hunting goes, because I know in 2019 and 2020, when I hunted on public up here, I mean, I could go and go and go. And I thought it was great because there's thousands and thousands of acres up here of just hardwoods and uh, you wouldn't see anybody. Yeah. And then 2021 happened. And like when that season rolled around, it was like, man, dude, there were people that I had never seen before. And like, and I was running into people and they were like, I don't know, they, they were kind of like um, a little grumpy, I guess. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. there, there was like a guy, he was like, well, we've been hunting here for 12 years. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, I haven't seen, I've, I've been only hunting here two years, but I've literally never seen your truck on this road. Yeah. And, um, you know, I use apps like Onyx and stuff like that, like everybody else does. And um, I I saw a huge uptick after after the whole COVID thing happened with people from Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maine, Vermont, all coming up to upstate New York. And it's like, you know, what, you know, I asked the guy this last fall, I said, what, like, why this, you know, this place here? Because I, I still go hunt mm-hmm. on public every now and then. And, you know, he was just like, well, uh, I could work remotely so i do all my stuff and then i can go and and he was a grouse hunter and he's like then i could go run my dogs and 
yeah. like, man, that's crazy. And, and I, you know, I think it's probably because like a lot of people's work changed yes. after COVID. Yeah. And, uh, so I got tired of it and I told my girlfriend, I was like, you know, we, I know there's people that hunt on the farm now, but let's get them out of there because we want bigger deer and they just go in there. It's not their land. They shoot anything and everything. They don't care. You know, they don't, um, I mean, they respect it, but they don't, to them, it's just like, oh, it's another deer, but we want to see like bigger deer. So, you know, they're, how many acres of it? It's like 300 acres. It's a dairy farm. Yeah. And uh, so the people were mad and they're like, well, where can we go hunt now? It's like, go hunt public. I don't know, man. Like, you know, it's, it sucks, but it's like everything. I've also noticed what happens out west comes back east. So with like the leasing and um, just the style of hunting and, and all that, um, you see it now happening here. Like I use like hangers, like XOP hangers and stuff like that. You know, I don't use like the traditional ladder stands that a lot of, a lot of people use and like people here see my stuff on public and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, I just carry, you know, I carry it all in on your back. Yeah. And to them, that's like, you're like blowing minds. And I'm like, dude, what? Like these guys still... It's very old school, but it's changing really fast. And yeah. if you could read the writing on the walls, then you know what's coming. Yeah. And we know, like, everything's about to start getting leased up. And uh, our neighbor had a lease in Ohio. He still does. He doesn't hunt there, but he keeps the lease just so no one else could hunt on it. Yeah. And it's like, I, I've heard of many other people doing that as well. That is crazy. You're spending yeah. money on a place that you know you're not going to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I, I think that... I don't think social media is good for hunting um, at all, actually. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen the page Hunt Quietly. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like 50-50 with those guys about yeah. some of the things. But some of the other things that go like really hard into it. It's just like, all right, dude, chill out. Um, but I just, I, I don't... I don't see it being around for people who don't have money, mm -hmm. you know, in the future. And uh, I was actually listening to your podcast a couple of weeks ago and you had someone on there and um, you're kind of talking about the same topic, but I wanted to like, honestly hear what the person was going to say, because I feel like what they have done had the most impact on hunting on public lands. Like, let's be honest. And the guy was like, Oh, come on. Like, let's not talk about that. You know, like that's just, that's sad. And it's like, well, dude, we're not going to have anything to talk about here soon. If we don't talk about this. Yeah. Uh, be more specific about that conversation. Um, well, it was, a, it kind of like frustrated me because it was a guy who was basically saying that if you're a private landowner, you should open up your lands and let oh, people yeah. come hunt on there. Okay. But it's like, you know, if you, if you bust your ass and you work hard and you buy that land, you own that land, like who, you know, like, why should I let someone else come and hunt on my property that yeah. is just going to exploit it for the dollars? I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Okay. When did the big buck craze actually start happening? And my guess, it was... This is how I envision it happening. Yeah. Two buddies went out, right? Hey, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. All right, we'll talk to you after the hunt. One shoots a four-corn. One shoots like a, a 150. Mm -hmm. And they, 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 they 
go through the entire same process. They get the deer back to the truck. And the one, they're sitting there talking about their hunts. And there's like this pause in the conversation. And the guy who, who you know, shoots the 150 looks at the, and just just slightly rips his friend, jabs him, right? Hey, man, look at how big my buck is and look how tiny and insignificant your buck is. Same, right. same amount of meat on him, right? Any, whatever. Yeah. And that guy gets a little jealous internally. He knows it's his buddy giving him shit, but in, internally he's like, hmm. And then he, and then that conversation escalates. Is like, oh, did you see that little buck this guy shot? Well, this guy shot a big buck and it kind of spreads. Well, I, dude, I've seen bigger bucks like that. And the next thing you know, this, there's, it, it causes a cultural shift to all of a sudden hunting being less about the enjoyment and more about a, uh, some kind of number that people right. can attach to it to say, oh, look, I've done this with this number, right? I am a better than you because this number Right. And so people, they're like, okay, what do I need to do to reach this number or, you know, or have a better hunting experience? Oh, I need to go to places where people are not. Right. And so then honey holes on public, you know, they disappear because more people are digging and diving into the woods pub or, you know, there's more leasing, there's more outfitting. People are buying up land specifically for hunting. Right? right. Some people can say, oh, you can make a profit from CRP programs, timber programs, cash running your ground, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. You can you can make a profit doing that. But yeah. the reason you bought that land is to manage deer hunting. Right. To get right. deer older. So I have to ask this and I don't mean it in any disrespect, but did you feel any type of remorse or. Uh, like a negative feeling, a sad feeling that you had to kick uh, off these other people on that property? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, because I knew like the secondhand effects, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, like we're, you know, it's just displacing someone to go somewhere else. But at the same time, you know, and honestly, like what you were just talking about, uh, like wanting bigger deer, I mean, we live in a we live in a place in the country where there inherently isn't very many big deer at all like it's it's an anomaly to shoot a deer in the 130s here like that's like that would be like going to iowa and shooting like a 180s you know it's like you know um very rare yeah yeah so it's like we like people don't want to get on board with that here like they i've had conversations with a bunch of landowners i trap multiple properties and you know, they shoot spikes, they shoot, you know, uh, basically anything with antlers on it. And, you know, I mean, they're happier than a pick and shit, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's like that, that deer probably would have gotten bigger, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's what we want to do. And they like the other people that are hunting on the property, they just, to them, it was just like, you're just going to go sit, shoot. And then that's it, you know? Yeah. Um, and we never really trust them very much either. I mean, it, it's like a catch twenty two. I felt bad, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I mean, it's just what it's coming to. Yeah, uh, that's that sucks. I mean, in a yeah. way, that kind of sucks. I understand that. I don't know, man, because you know, here here's what I would do if I would get a farm, 
let's say I had 300 acres here in Iowa. I, I have enough money to buy it, which is, it's crazy that expensive for 300 acres in Iowa, anywhere, yeah. in any county. And I bought it. What would I do? Right. I'd, I'd be, I'd be telling people, Hey, listen, I'm sorry. You can't hunt here anymore because myself and my family are going to going to hunt here now. Yeah. So I, I would, I'd do the same thing, man. And so it sucks in a way. This is the feeling that I get knowing that what we're doing is actually causing some of the, these problems, but we refuse to stop doing it. Yeah. And so it's unfortunate from that aspect, like how many guys, how many people would get that fired up if all deer, you know, maybe the first year they're a fork horn, the next year they're 90 inches, and the next year the max, the max a deer will grow is 120 inches. There would not be this craziness yeah. over, over whitetails as there is. And so well, I think it also, um, it depends on like geographically, like where you live, yeah. um, you know, because I'm going to go hunt Kansas this year and it's my first time. Mm -hmm. And you know why I'm going to go hunt Kansas? Because for like the past, like 10 years on social media, I've been seeing people go out to Kansas and shoot giants. Right. And it's true. And, you know, now I finally have the, the big buzzword opportunity mm -hmm. to go do it. I mean, everyone wants more opportunity and, uh, you know, I'm, I can't be mad. Um, cause I'm, you know, also one of the guys who's going to go out of state and hunt and, I'm putting in for Iowa as well. You know, I got a couple of years left on that to go, but it's like, I, I don't know me personally. I think once I go do it and I have success, I'll probably never do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just the fact that for me, at least I haven't had the chance to go yet. And now I do. Yep. And it's like, okay, I get it. like game on. Yeah. Yeah. I get it, man. I get it. I just wish there was a, a pause button or I wish that certain groups of people would take the time to discuss what what is actually causing these big waves in in the hunting community in the hunting industry and it just for me it, it just boils down to access people are losing access to acres more people like the people with money are leasing they are buying up land they are kicking people out those people have to go find some place to hunt. They're struggling on public, significantly different types of hunting on private to public, right? You're you're not going to see the quality of bucks on on private or on public. No. And, or you're going to uh, another private farm that the farmer lets anybody hunt and next thing you know you're on top of some guy. And yeah. it just it's going to continue to get worse because nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that I would like to see in the outdoor industry is some of these big names and these big YouTube uh, hunters, you know, um, talk about some of this stuff, you know, but I know like I've had conversations with guys and they're like, yeah, well, nobody wants to talk about it because nobody wants to be the reason why. Well, yeah, you know, of course, went the way went, you know, but I mean, it's very obvious, uh, you know, like, honestly, like, like the hunting public, like I remember when they first came around and everybody was like, dude, this is cool. Yeah. Like, look what these guys are doing. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, 
everybody's doing that now mm -hmm. and you can't get away from it no. and no matter where you go like we're seeing it here in upstate new york even and it's just like people are hunting out of saddles now that was never a thing yeah like i went from hangers that was unheard of you yeah. know you build a two by four stand in the middle of the woods and that's what you hunted out of you know uh the game's changing and uh it's crazy but like like everything like you just need to evolve with it and and you know in nature if you don't evolve then you die you know essentially um i think though that it's gonna hit like a, a point and then people aren't gonna be as interested in it anymore and it's gonna die down but it'll take a long time yeah i don't think it's gonna take a long time that's my opinion. I think there's going to be a time in the next, and I don't know, time is relative, right? So I'm guessing yeah. 10 years. In my lifetime, we're going to see a huge drop-off in hunting numbers. One, because the older generation is dying, period, yeah. right? My dad, my dad, he's, he's 65. He doesn't hunt, but that age range, right? 10 years from, from the people who are 65 to 75, they're they're going to slowly start fading off. There's not a huge generation behind them that like my age, I'm in my forties uh, and there's w way less of us than there are of them. And then the, you know, a, a mix of culture, a mix of what kids find interesting. They're in front of tablets and screens and shit like that all the time. The outdoors yeah. are becoming less attractive to them. And the fact that there's no, there's going to be no place to hunt because of leasing, because of outfitting, because of um, people with money buying up land just for hunting and recreational type things. And they're going to kick everybody out. And the people who are 40 years old and they've always hunted private before, then they have to go do public. They're just going to be like, fuck this. Yeah, I'm done. Do I'm done. I'm just done yeah. hunting. I'm going to go fishing or something. Right. And, and that's what I was thinking about too. Like I, this past year hunting on public, um, you know, the craze is, you know, go further, go deeper, go, you know, you gotta like be in the super awesome shape all the time. And like, I'm like, I'm, I'm honestly back there like a mile and a half and I'm fucking smoked. And I'm like, dude, now, and now, and now I have to put up my, you know, I have to put mm -hmm. all my stuff up. I'm like, I'm beat and I'm already and here we are and I, I was thinking I was like I can't do this yeah. when I'm in my 50s there's no way like yeah. it's not possible I mean very few people like stay in that same shape that you know become that old it's it's like genetics it's not yeah you know um <laughs> it's just how it, it's just how it goes yeah. uh and I'm and that's kind of why I got greedy this year and I said all right man like we got to make this you know um you know, to say like, uh, like the Durys, how like Mark Dury hunts, like, I mean, that guy's got a lot of money. He comes into an area. He's like, I like this land. I'm going to buy it. Buys it. What's the first thing he does? He starts putting food plots on it. These big, um, like muddy blinds and all that, or redneck blinds or whatever he's using, you know? And I mean, the way they hunt is like, I mean, everyone, you know, it, it looks super lazy and stuff, but it's, it's not, like, it's not real. Yeah. It's not, it's not reality for anybody. Yeah. But that's what like you, you see those dudes do it and you're just like it it's not yeah it's not reality but at the same time it's like i wouldn't be mad if i had that setup oh yeah ex exactly you know exactly, exactly. And i think that's what a lot of other people are going to as well i mean we're seeing it up here where people are 
the food plot craze is is here now. It wasn't before. It wasn't a couple of years ago, but now everyone's putting plots in, and um, they want to grow deer. And I mean, you can't blame them. Nope. And it, it's just the way everything is going. As far as you know, how do you make deer hunting easier? Oh, I know how. Right. Just yeah. watch a professional television show. How do you yeah. make deer hunting easier? Throw a shit ton of money at it and you will have bigger deer than average oh yeah on your on your farm right so by default you kicking those people out you're going to stop shooting if it's brown it's down mentality on that farm and now there's you're going to see more two-year-olds more three-year-olds and you know in next couple of years you're going to see four-year-olds and then if you play your cards right you plant the food plots you do the habitat management you are going to have a kick-ass farm it's going to be an oasis for all of these deer and they're going to come to you and you're going to benefit from you know from that and so i don't know man i don't know what way what where it's going to go my gut just tells me in the next 10 years you're going to see a drastic shift and i mean drastic shift people are going to be like well people by nature are greedy anyway Right. So they're going to be like, I'm taking everything that I can. And I'm not going to let anybody hunt the, you know, the the traditions of these big party hunts and gun season camps and things like that. They're going to all go away because more people want land and deer for themselves. And so that's just an an observation. That's a guess. I, I, I hate to. I hate to make it like this this horrible sounding thing, but that's where it's going. Just look at look at the last 20 years from yeah. this point and now say what's it going to be like in the next 20 years? It's it's well, going downhill, dude. Like to your point, so I shot my first deer when I was 13, and that's over like this 21 years ago, okay? Mm-hmm. The first time I shot my first deer, right? There was nothing to post it on. And there was no social media. It was a spike. It was opening day of gun season in Michigan. I shot it with a muzzleloader. And my dad, I was with my dad, and my dad kind of, like, nudged me to shoot it just so, like, he could have his, you know, hunt, you know, whatever. Um, I don't blame him. Uh, but uh, we we had a, uh, we had, like, a cork board that we would put, like, hunting pictures on. And that... You know, it's kind of like, uh, I was talking with one of my buddies, that's kind of like, you know, an old school Instagram. Oh, yeah. In a way. Yeah. You know, and and even to your point, when, when you were just talking about the, the guy who shot the bigger buck than his buddy, you know, and might have made like a comment. But when we had that board, people would just directly look at like, oh, who, who shot this? Yeah. You know, and they would just go right over any other deer. Oh, yeah. That was on there. And I just think it's human nature. Yeah, to just it is. Always go bigger and better. Yeah, I mean, it is. We're you're going against nature on that one. I I don't have a, I don't have a good enough explanation for it other than that. And That's a good enough one for me, man. Like I said, humans humans are greedy, a greedy species by by nature anyway. So, all right, let's let's uh, we've been bullshitting here for about thirty minutes now. I, I want to kind of get into the topic of hand, and that is what you reached out to me about. All right. And you and you said, hey, there's a lot of people out there who think they hunt big woods, but they do not hunt big woods. Most of them 
are hunting within a certain distance from some type of ag. And if the deer are influenced by ag, is what I'm getting at, that's not big yeah. woods hunting, correct? That's that's kind of how I see it. That's how I interpret it. Okay. Um, you know, I grew up hunting ag, uh, and I grew up hunting in woods that was by ag. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not an expert on, like, the upstate New York, like because I mean you've seen some of the some of the YouTube videos, some of the guys up here, they walk miles and miles and miles, 10, 15 miles a day and track a specific deer. You know, that's what you know, until I was introduced to that, I was like, Yeah, everything back in the Midwest is kind of like you're not in the big woods. You're just hunting a patch of hardwoods. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be what a lot of people mean by that, but in their mind, um, and it's nothing against them any, or anything because they've never experienced, um, honestly, uh, like 30 minutes away from here, there is, it's 24,000 acres of just wilderness, you know, uh, and I have access, anyone has access, it's public, you can go hunt it, you know, and uh, you can go get lost in there. And and I think like, you know, once you see something like that, then you realize you're like, yeah uh no i was never hunting big woods until right you know and and the thing that frustrated me and some of my friends is like there would be podcast titles and stuff that would say like oh like we're having like and this is this is like a generic thing like we're having dale from pennsylvania who's a big woods hunter and then come to find out like dude dale's only hunting like a 40 acre section of woods surrounded by he's got alfalfa beans you know all this other stuff and it's like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about at all because if he did he would know that like none of that works up here you know like deer are different um i firmly believe that a lot of other people do too if you go hunt like hunting has made me hunting up here has made me a better hunter uh there's less deer mm-hmm. i i truly think that the deer are smarter here too because they're hunting more yep and uh like deer will i mean they will bust you and they won't even give you uh like you know how like a when a big buck busts you he just kind of backs out mm-hmm. and you don't even, he doesn't blow. He doesn't do anything. That's how a lot of these deer up here are. Even those are yearlings are. They're like, yep, I just don't like that. See you. Bye. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go hunt a place like Michigan or I've hunted Ohio and deer. They're kind of like more curious. They're like, what is, you know, like, mm-hmm. what's that dude doing? And you won't find that up here. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, like the differences, uh, you can go in the Midwest and hunt a funnel and, you know, it's all woods and everything. And then you hear people say like, oh, well, it's like, it's like big woods. It's like, dude, it, in really hunting up here, like my first two seasons up here, I got my ass handed to me. I, my second year I shot, I shot a doe off the ground with my bow, which I was just creeping through the woods, going to my stand. She came in at me and I just let one rip. And um, that was like my first success. And it was such a weird situation you know um it's just really you know i don't know it, it's hard because if you have never hunted it then you don't know right right yeah man that makes sense and you know i have i've been guilty in the past of saying oh dude uh, yeah I, I have some big woods that i hunt well <laughs> it is about 250 to 300 acres of a block of timber yeah. But on the south side, eggs. On the east, uh, egg. On the east side, egg. A road that runs 
to more ag on the north side, to the west ag. And so these deer might be focusing on acorns throughout the year, but at some point they are late August, they're going to the bean, or, you know, like late July, they're going to the, the bean fields, right? Yeah. Uh, they're they're going to the cornfields when you know the deer they eat all the tops of the like the silk and uh, things on the, the on the corn when when the corn is soft right and then late season where are they going ag right once yeah. they've vacuumed pretty much vacuumed all the food off the forest floor they're going to ag and where where are they going in September they're finding green alfalfa or the green grass ag right and so. The way I look at it is what I've mentioned earlier is big woods hunting is deer who they don't see ag. They, right. they, they, their pattern throughout an entire, uh, in, throughout their entire life is in the woods. It is acorns, woody brows, you know, things like that. And the, I feel like there's a mix though. There's, there's got to be an overlap of maybe a doe group here that is walking a couple miles to an ag field. But if you go further into that 24,000 acres, like you said, man, the deer, they probably aren't traveling however many miles to get to it. Yeah. Although, I bet you, even in the biggest woods, they come wintertime, they're going to go look for food. And that's right. probably in ag as well. And so it's, it's tough to make a definition. So you've hunted Michigan, you've hunted the Midwest style, you know, timber finger draws, things like that. And you've also hunted big woods, right? Yeah. What from a a deer behavior standpoint or from a a travel standpoint in, in a given day, talk to us about the differences between those traditional Midwestern deer and what you believe big, big woods deer do. Uh, I think like, you know, you have your um, more, there's a more defined pattern of life with Midwest deer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you'd be like, oh, this guy, you know, this buck comes through here every like two days, three days, or, you know, maybe every day he's been coming through here. Um, and I think it's also a lot easier to find like bedding areas and stuff like that in the Midwest because there's, you know, you're kind of limited to where the deer are going to be mm-hmm. if you have a bunch of ag fields around, you know, like, I mean, I've seen deer, we've all seen deer bed in fields and open fields, uh, but it's not like their typical behavior. And uh, here in places like upstate New York, where, I mean, I run trail cameras here and uh, it's, it's not, it's not as exciting as running cameras in the Midwest. Uh, you'll have days without anything. And, uh, you know, and you'll be set up on a good run too, but I've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of more experienced hunters talk about like a shift that occurs like in the fall and then they go, you know, different deer are going to shift from their summer to like fall to like winter patterns. Uh, I'll be honest. Um, I still like, you know, in the summer I'll be having decent deer. And when I say decent, I mean, for the standard of New York, like deer that are a hundred, 110 inches, um, and I know a lot of people like, like, but I challenge anyone to come up here and, and shoot a 110 inch deer, like in your first year. I don't think, I don't think you're going to do it with a bow. I mean, I primarily hunt with a, with a bow. Um, and I haven't been able to figure out where they really go 
like in the fall like yeah. all their old trails dry up they hardly hit them and deer like there will be scrapes you, you can find scrapes in the summer here that you know deer hit um you know i'm sure it's just like a community scrape where they're just checking like who's who's around and whatnot yeah um but even those dry up those don't get hit i've had cameras on them you know and they just sit there and they just you're just wasting time with that camera uh you know, or, you know, information because like, they're not there anymore. So to your point, I would assume that they probably do travel pretty far to reach some sort of like wintering ag. I mean, uh, I, I would believe that um, I've, I hunted in the, uh, in the UP of Michigan uh, a little bit. And I had an old timer explain to me that the deer up there, they will do like a little mini migration where they'll, go like 20 or 30 miles to where the weather doesn't hit them so hard and i think that maybe like that also happens here too yeah like yeah it's a huge possibility i mean yeah yeah i can can definitely see that i mean they're gonna go where wherever there's the best food right? right so uh i'm assuming that i wonder do you feel in a given day what deer travels more miles or the longest distance? Would that be a big woods deer or an ag country deer? I would probably have to say, this is just me. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert by any means, but I'd probably say a big woods deer. Okay. And why is why do you think that? Less food and, you know, uh, as far as like browse goes, there's mm-hmm. not the best browse. I mean, there's clear cuts up here and that's kind of like what I associate ag to be up here mm-hmm. would be like a clear cut because then you have all this new growth coming up, but the deer do hammer that super hard. And then when it's gone, they're on to like wherever else they're going. Um, I know that's become super popular. That's kind of why I stayed away from public this year because the, the whole, the word is out about, clear cuts now and uh it's like there's like no secrets left anymore and uh there'll be five or six trucks on a clear cut it's like i can see that guy that guy can see me i can see that guy it's like what are we doing here yeah um but to your point yeah i think that that uh big true big woods deer do move a lot more yeah and uh they have to just to survive yeah Um, i bet you i bet you there's a i bet you there are some cases where they move a lot then there's cases where they probably find an area where that has a lot of acorns in it or a lot of food and their bed to food pattern is actually really small. But once that food runs out or there's a major wind shift, let's say, then they yeah. probably go find another area. So their core area, their area that they move in an entire year is much greater. However, on a daily basis, this is a theory that I have. And that is they're traveling shorter distances from bed to food. But once that's gone, then they travel a long ways to the new food source that they find. And then they'll go back and forth from there for a little bit. Then they go to another spot once that food's out. And they just continue to, um, you know, they continue to just go to the place where the food's at. Once that's gone, they're going to the next place. Unlike deer in the Midwest where they're probably have a smaller core area but they're yeah. traveling a longer distance regularly right so 
so I don't know, like a half a mile to a quarter mile, which yeah. in Iowa, that's not even realistic. I bet you, I don't, I wish I knew this number, but this is a guess. I'm guessing that from the bed of a buck, and we're going to say outside of the breeding season, when, when deer are on a strict bed to food pattern, I bet you what a whitetails in Iowa travel less than a hundred yards, maybe under 200 yards for food every day, food and water every day. That's how much food is here in this state. Deer, deer are not traveling huge amounts of, you know, huge distances. Now my uncle in Kansas, he's like, dude, it's, it's nothing to hunt a farm, see a buck and then go hunt, you know, seven miles. I think he, uh, the one buck he found, he was hunting a deer seven miles away. He was on another farm and found his sheds that fall. So that's, or that spring. So that's seven, that's seven sections of timber yeah. of, of property to get to where he found the sheds. And so in certain States, I bet you there's much more traveling now outside of the distance that they travel, any other differences in behavior? Yeah. Um, you're not gonna grunt a deer in up here. Okay. Like you might as well just not even bring your grunt tube. And I've had bucks in the vicinity that I've, like I've seen and I rattled, it just scares the shit out of them. They just take off. It's so calling, calling does not work. In my experience, no. And I've talked to a lot of other hunters and they're like, yeah, it's just, it's not a thing up here. Uh, I'm sure there's someone somewhere who has something to say about that where they figured out some, or I don't know, but I know like I've grunted deer in, in like Southwest Michigan, where I grew up, I definitely grunted small bucks in and, you know, curious, more curious deer, but even like the smaller deer up here aren't, you know, mm-hmm. they're not curious about nothing. They're like, nope, doesn't sound natural. Uh, even, um, rubs, man, I've had pictures, uh, this last year I had one of the biggest deer that I've had on camera and he's a big nine. I estimate he's probably in the one thirties and that's pretty big for, I mean, he's well outside the ears, nice, you know, nice tall rack. And, uh, you would think that a deer like that, there would be some like rubs, there'd be something, you know, uh, nothing, you know? And, and that's one thing that I've, I've tuned into whenever I listen to a podcast and someone would say like, Oh, hunting the big woods and looking for these signs and looking for this and that. And it's like, like you could, you'll find rubs, like, don't get me wrong. They are here, but as far as like a true rub line that you'll find like in the Midwest, you know, um, I haven't been able to really find yeah. those yet. I mean, I'll do circles, I'll clover leaf. I'll, you know, be like, okay, like, you know, this is what this guy said to do. And I'm out there and I'm putting what he said to work. And, you know, I've been, you know, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I've been trained in, and like being very observant being in the military and whatnot. And I'm like, dude, I cannot find, you know, what this guy's talking about. What does he yeah. mean? Yeah. So I just chalk it up to like, they, they're not as vocal. Um, you know, they don't, they don't put much sign down. Like you think they would, there are some scrapes, but they're not these huge, massive blowout scrapes that, that you'll find in the Midwest. Um, they're very subtle and you have to pay attention to detail or you're going to miss a lot. Yeah. 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 That makes sense, man. Uh, now, 
what about the rut in in the big woods what what are deer doing what are bucks specifically doing in the rut during or in the big woods um in my in my experience i you know the rut here hasn't been any different than hunting any other day okay and a lot of people also have the same experience uh maybe you might i mean you might see like two bucks in a day uh but it's you know i punted i punted the rut in other places and where it's like year and a half old year and a half old you know they're just like coming and filing on through you know it's like jesus christ there's 20 of these guys in here Mm -hmm. and um i just haven't experienced anything like that up here uh i'm sure there are pockets that you might be able to get into where you know there's a lot of rut activity but in my experience hunting the rut up here i haven't noticed the change at all in deer pattern um you know so deer you can't call them right you're not going to see a ton of them uh in a given hunt and so when you're when you're saying to yourself where do i set up what is the most important factor you take into consideration when setting up on a uh when setting up in the big woods to try to intercept a buck all right so here's something that i found and i took this uh this uh it was it wasn't even a guy who hunts it was a guy who uh metal detects okay he's like a big metal detector guy and um this guy would go on there's like the war of 1812 happened up here and whatnot and this dude's trying to dig up all these relics and stuff like that well there's all these old homesteads from the 1800s that are up here that people you know and a lot of them are public land now so on these homesteads they're all I mean, you'd have to find the foundation, honestly, but they would always plant apple trees mm-hmm. at, at their homesteads. And some of these apple trees still produce a lot of apples. Okay. So if you can find the like places like that and places where they've planted hardwoods, like that's as close as like a food source, like a major food source as you're going to get. But I mean, you have to really look and like the only reason I'm saying this is because like, I know like not a lot of people are going to come up here and hunt because I've had people tell me, they're like, why would you even hunt that? Yeah. That sounds so lame. You know, yeah. I'm like, it is lame. It's not fun, but that's usually what I look for are those old apple trees, the old homestead foundations. Uh, usually you're going to find um, just different types of trees. Like you can see, like there will be like a row of like maples planted and there's other hardwoods that are in there as well as we find like oaks and whatnot so it doesn't look natural it looks like somebody went in there and planted these trees in a row for maybe like a windbreak or something yeah okay yep okay yeah that and probably like you know just to do like maple syrup and whatnot yeah um yeah but it's like i mean you have to pay attention to those things because if you're not really looking at it then you're just gonna walk right by it Mm -hmm. i'm just like oh yeah you know like i don't know whatever uh but when that guy said that, it made a lot of sense to me. And I was like, yeah, this is like it's such a limited food source up here that, you know, all these old homesteads that, you know, the settlers have back in the 1800s and whatnot, you know, they planted all this with them and a lot of it stayed. So uh, the deer still utilize it. And I'll say like, there's a window though. There's like a four or five day window. When those apples start dropping, if you're not there hunting, uh, the deer are going to come and vacuum all up. And when they're gone, the deer move on. Like you said, yeah. like the deer move on to the next thing. That's it. Uh, 
I, I can't really tell you what the next thing is. I haven't really found it, but I know that that's like a real hot tip. If you want to come hunt up here, if you can put yourself between like a bedding area and those apple trees or a homestead, your chances are pretty high that you're going to run into something. Is it going to be slow? Yeah. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. It's not really appealing. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember, um, back in the day, Iowa used to, man, I, I remember sitting out, the population has been decreased since then, but I can remember sitting in a stand, whether that's in a, in a, in a wooded setting, in a finger near egg on a field edge back in the day. And I'd see 25, 30 deer easy. And now maybe it's a little bit because of my strategy change and I'm not necessarily hunting to see deer. I'm hunting to kill a particular deer. And that has led me to move my tree stands into different locations, but still like I'm not seeing those numbers anymore. I don't see those. I I don't see those numbers and, and it sucks, especially when I went to Michigan. Okay. From Iowa, go to Michigan and I was hunting public and I saw the entire trip. I saw three or four, four deer when I was in the tree stand. I think it was four and they were within shooting range, but they were spooked. They were jumpy. They were like noses in the air. And, and it, it sucks going from an environment like what I have where I'm seeing a ton of deer. I'm seeing, you know, not, I'm not seeing a shooter caliber every set, but I'm seeing a buck every set. To yeah. when I went to Michigan, I saw one four corn and three does in that entire in, in that entire trip. And it's you have to be prepared for that. Like if you grew grew up in it, I can understand how you could be used to it. But if you if you're not, let's say my job took me to Pennsylvania or New York or or Michigan, and I had to move to these places, I would be in for a rough couple years, man. Straight up. Yeah. Well, like you just mentioned, though, uh, how you how you hunted in Iowa and you would see like 30 or 40 deer in a night and then you changed the way you hunted. You didn't yeah. see deer like that anymore. Uh, that's how I grew up hunting with like my grandpa on his farm. He will put you like because where where the stands are is what like his word is like, you know, God on that farm. And he's like old school hunter. All that doesn't really want to change his ways. He'll put you in spots where you will see a lot of deer, but you're not going to like be able to. You're out of range. You can't shoot one. You know you can't shoot them. Yeah. Uh, or not the deer that you're looking for. So like moving up here and learning how to hunt differently. Now that I now when I go hunt there, first off, like I really don't listen to my grandpa like I used to anymore because it's just two different styles of hunting. Mm-hmm. And now when I hunt, I don't see as many deer like that either. But I do see like the deer yeah. that I'm at, or you know like a nice 120 inch deer, and I shoot them, and you know I. Uh, that's like the difference that it's made in me hunting up here versus hunting, you know, like Midwest style. I call it, you know, uh, like the old school, just, Hey, here's a ladder stand, get in it. And, uh, you know, just wait. Yeah. And like hunting in the big woods is like, makes you, you have to be aggressive. Yeah. If you're not aggressive, you're not going to see anything. Right. It's right. going to be boring. Um, yeah. So how long do you give when you're hunting big woods, how long do you give a spot before you say, okay, I'm done. I'm moving on to the next spot. Typically, uh, three sets, three sets. So like, uh, a morning, afternoon, morning type deal. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't waste much time. Uh, it's just, you know, if they're not there, they're not going to be there. I mean, just because I run 10, I use cell cams. I run 10 cell cams on public. I know that's a big deal too. Um, but it's like, you, like I said, like I use them in a way to where like, if I don't have a deer on it, I'm like, well, I'm not going there. It's like a process of elimination for me. It's not like, oh, I had a nice deer on this camera, so I'm going to go hunt there. It's like, just go where they're not, I guess, mm-hmm. like on the cameras, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's something that I I struggle with a lot, even where I hunt, is how much time do I give a spot before I, I don't know, before I end up having to, I should move. Right. Or I should, I don't know whether I need to move or whether I need to, uh, you know, adjust to a new farm or even just shift 20 yards to a, a different, maybe a different thermal drive or a different where, you know, perhaps what the wind is doing something different on the other side of the ridge. I always struggle with that because I used to be super mobile and I would every, every day or every sit, it would be something different and different. But what I've realized is, is that's probably too mobile and you got to give a deer an opportunity to come through that particular, uh, that particular pinch point or that travel corridor or come into that staging area. They just, they're not doing it every single day. They're going, they're, they're in there somewhere, but I have to give them time to come through these particular pinch points. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's different every single day. Every, every single year yeah that's one thing that i noticed up here as well uh you know you really don't like you have to you truly do have to get out and scout if you're going to run trail cameras and whatnot you really have to uh i mean you can't just set them in the, in the same place you had them last year because right. the deer probably aren't going to move through there again uh, right i know it's just a weird like coincidence type thing but uh I'll, I'll just say this, like a good place to put cameras up here are the, uh, the beaver dams. That's a good place. A lot of deer cross those, uh, deer kind of like us, you know, they don't like really to get wet. They will, if they have to, but I mean, I've had a lot of like really nice deer cross beaver dams, uh, and that's a good spot, but so they also, have, they have beaver dams in the middle of these big woods types of environments. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's nothing to come up to a, uh, you know, like a Creek that a beaver had dammed up and now it's all flooded out. Yeah. Um, you know, and they've taken down and made like, I try to hunt around those two because I use it as a, uh, like a barrier. You know, I think it's, uh, I think it's really smart. If you can put yourself in a body of water, you know, and what's in between there. Uh, I I've noticed a lot of deer do move through there. Um, but it's, it's not, you know, very often. And there are a lot of dams that go across all these, uh, all these creeks and whatnot, but it, it it appeals to the eye. If you're coming from the Midwest and you want to hunt here to set up on like a swampy area, because uh, who's the guy from Wisconsin. That's really, uh, was it Dan Infall who talks about, you know, getting in the, in the tall cattails and doing all this, like try that shit up here and you're not going to see anything at all. Cause there's, First off, there's nothing in there. Right. Like you're wasting your time. Yeah. Uh, it's not like that. And and I've had people tell me they're like, dude, the only thing you're going to get in there is a wet ass. So yeah, <laughs> get out of there, you know. Um, that makes sense, yeah. man. You you hear you hear people. I don't know. 
I, I think that's that portion of hunting content is over because people they used to be oh I'm I'm a bed hunter I'm gonna I hunt deer beds period I'm a bed hunter yeah. I go find deer beds and I hunt over. dude that shit doesn't fly in Iowa or where where I hunt because right. they may be bedded there today but if the wind shifts they will not be bedded there tomorrow they'll be they'll be somewhere else where the wind is in their favor. And they're not going back to the same beds because it's the only place they can bed. There's so much ground where they can bed and feel comfortable in it. And yeah. so that doesn't fly uh, where I hunt, you know, hunting, hunting certain ridges. I know guys uh, in certain states who they will hunt the same ridge every time because they feel a buck will go to that same ridge every time. That doesn't yeah. happen where I hunt. Right. Right. They're not they're 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 bouncing all over the place. They're going to food. Oh, wind shift. I'm gonna go to route B this time or I'm gonna yeah. even if it's west northwest. So Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh that's one thing I noticed about like bed hunting here because you know, I a, a lot of the content that is, you know, in the hunting podcast world is mostly uh like midwest there's not much right northeast or anything like that so that's all i really have to go off from and you know it's like i i try it because i have you know the, the spaces to you know and the train features and whatever to try all that and put cameras on it mm -hmm. like ridges not really a big thing for me personally i haven't really ever my cameras have never told me that oh this is like where it's at you know this yeah. is where the deer are always moving through do deer move through there of course why wouldn't they um but it's not like a hub of activity right. and and that's like the you know that's basically what i wanted to like stress and what me and some of my friends who do hunt up here talk about when we hear people say like oh you know i, I killed this buck in the big woods and it's like first off to you that deer doesn't exist in the big woods <laughs> like it's it's like I mean, ha there has been some 190s that have been killed up here, but it is such an anomaly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, uh, it's one of, like, if I were to kill a 190s here, I would put that above any deer anywhere else just because of where I'm at, you know, where I'm located. It's, oh, yeah. It's yeah. tough, you know. Um, now, is this, is this, okay, so here's, here's what I assume. And I know you said that, uh, you know, if you shoot a 130, that's an anomaly in the big woods. Okay. Yeah. But my question is, is, is it, is it an anomaly because bucks aren't making it that far? Or is it an anomaly because tr like traditionally nutrition doesn't allow for a deer to get that big? Both. Yeah. I'd say both play factors. Uh, I know one thing that I don't shoot anything. I have my own personal rule. It's got to have four or more on one side. Mm -hmm. And uh, some years I don't shoot a buck up here. Yeah, I'll shoot one in Michigan because it's a lot easier, honestly. And uh, like my neighbor who lives next to me, he doesn't even hunt New York. He goes and hunts Kansas. That's all he hunts. And I mean, there's some of the deer on his wall are, you know, they're huge. And, and uh, he's like, yeah, you're just not going to see those deer here. So he doesn't, he doesn't deal with it. He doesn't even care about it. He's like, oh, someone shot a nice one. Okay. Like, that'll never happen for him again. Yeah. And, um, man, like, like I, we deal with a lot of out-of-state pressure. I know I've heard you talk about, like, and, and I know the whole, uh, I heard you talk about crossbows and how, you know, I could tell that, like, it worries you because it's like now this state is about to get wrecked by crossbows. Uh, 
like art that's what that's how it is hunting here it's like man you know it's just like um like my mentality is now like with the farm it's like every every place in the uh in the midwest is about to get like blown out so you might as well make where you're at good mm-hmm. because there's not going to be any more like spots to shoot like these monsters like they're always traditionally in my life has been yeah and you know we have like i mean i have to have an a b d c e plan for deer season up here because people onyx you know they look Mm -hmm. at onyx and they're like that looks like a good spot to go they've never hunted there they've never been there but they're gonna go walk all around it and uh i've had hunters walk in on me i've walked in i i walked in on a guy in my stand and i was like dude and he was just like oh well, it's public land bro and it was just like uh still my stand you know and he, he got down and whatnot but he thought it was like an abandoned yeah tree stand and i was just like dude um there's nothing sacred anymore honestly especially with, uh, onyx and hunt stand and all these other apps that you can use to find train features uh can you bait then, in new york what's that can you bait in new york Nope. No. Okay. Can't be, you can't put minerals out. Can't do any of that. It's just, that's another thing that makes it, you know, way harder. Uh, used to be able to until CWD. Yeah. Does, um, uh, can like when you say no, no minerals, what about scents or mock scrape urine and, and preorbital land scent or anything like that? Yeah. That's what's crazy is that you could use that, but it's like, you know, you're still, if, if you want to talk about CWD and all that and mm-hmm. chronic, you know, and what they say actually spreads it, then why are we still allowed to do mock scrapes? And you see a lot of those like scent bombs and the drips that mm-hmm. I find a lot of those. And I've never personally used them because I don't really believe in them, especially in a place like this where, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a waste of money. Uh, yeah. Maybe they work elsewhere where there's more deer. I'm mm-hmm. sure curious deer will come check them out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's tough. And then to, to your, to when you were talking about the older generation, like leaving, like getting out of hunting, like they're all dying off. Uh, this is going to sound terrible to me, but man, I, some of these old timers just, they, it's like, if it's brown, it's down and they don't care. Mm-hmm. Like I've passed on spikes and I've heard, you know, boom, like off in the distance. And I'm like, well, I'm sure that one got it. And, you know, I mean, they're happy that they got a deer, you know, and that's great. And I'm happy for them, but it's like, dude, you're, how many of these have you shot? Yeah. And it's like, come on, man. Uh, I know it makes a lot of people upset, but it's true. And it's just like, can we just give these guys a break? You know, give them a chance. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, it's all about goals, right? Like when, when your goals don't align with your neighbor's goals, then, then it can get frustrating. Right. right. And, and I've had that in, in Iowa where I've had someone reach out to me because I shot a 140 inch young deer and they reached out to me and they're like, dude, come on, man. Why, why are you shooting that deer? That's a young deer. It was one. It, and it was a beautiful deer for me. It's hanging down in my basement along with all my other deer that are far inferior to what this person is shooting every single year. But when someone tells me, hey, listen, man, you like you shouldn't be shooting this deer, I get pissed. 
I get pissed oh, yeah. because I don't have the same amount of access that these people have. I don't, you know, there's there's that whole side of thing. But you're right, man. I also think that the older generation still there's an old school mentality that some of it's good, some of it's bad for for deer hunting like just just how many articles if you go back 20 years and you read uh, some of the like what people are claiming is science or what people are claiming it you know helps kill big deer or something like that it's bullshit and a lot yeah. of a lot of these people still believe in some of those methods and have that mentality it's not it's right. not true it's not accurate and so and so now when science and like studies and research and observations, especially everybody brings a camera. They see deer do things that in the past people didn't believe that they did. Now you're like, you're changing a lot of people's minds and, and people's minds. They don't like to be changed, especially when you get older. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've had, so my grandpa, he is 81 mm -hmm. and he's never missed a deer season in Michigan, like his whole life. Uh, the guy is diehard. Um, and since I've changed, since, you know, and honestly, it's because of social media. Yeah. I want bigger deer. I want to shoot bigger deer. I know that I'm a good hunter and I want to prove it. And I want to show everyone that I'm, that I can do this, you know? Uh, but to my grandpa, it's like, he gets frustrated with me because I'm like, well, I'm not going to go hunt there. I want to hunt here because I know that, you know, the deer are going to fall through here. I'm going to have a chance at something right. way bigger, you know? And to him, you know, just a buck is like, he loves it. You know, he, he lives for that. Dude, there's something so pure about that. Yeah. Like, and I, I respect it. Yeah. But, but I think you need both sides of it. I think historically, like you said, culturally, people want bigger, better, more epic things. And then yeah. there are some people that are just happy with being able to get outside and go hunt, right? Let's be real. 81 years old, he probably doesn't have a ton of hunting seasons left, right? Oh, I, I, don't, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but he is just so happy to have the energy to be able to get out in a tree stand and, and hunt every single year, right? Oh, yeah. uh, and I know people who pack it in in their late sixties and he, here he is still going out and doing this cause he loves it. He loves it. And so it's hard for, for me to give that guy shit because he loves doing what he's doing or any, anybody age does. It doesn't matter. So I think it's right. necessary because think of that mentality as an anchor and there's a boat full of big bucks leasing outfitting driving forward and that is the anchor that is holding that shit back once that's gone that boat is at full speed and there are there's no telling what happens after that but it's it's not good yeah well that's what i've also tried to um i went to some of these uh like outdoor hearing type things mm -hmm. and I was actually, I'm not gonna lie, kind of upset me to hear how many people were against having an antler point restriction up here. Mm -hmm. And like, all I want is just like three, three on one side, man. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, you know, that's not an insane thing to ask out of somebody, but so many people 
are just like, nope, don't want to do it. Yeah, that just sounds like you're you're overreaching on my right to hunt and all this and like I get it. That's how people I'm like you know, I, like first off, like I don't think we have a right to hunt. It's a privilege because we're losing you know ground every day, mm-hmm. and that's another thing that bothers me a lot too. Is like, look how many states have lost trapping you know i've lost uh running dogs for lions and and nobody's really doing anything about it you know and like the crazy thing is is like i'm not i'm not pointing the finger at the older generation but you know they could have organized us a lot sooner to be better equipped to handle you know what the like anti-hunting crowd is you know throwing at us now and it's like dude we can't you know, every time another law gets passed, something gets taken away from us, yeah. and and it's insane. Yep, and that is why it is so important for all hunters to band together, right? It's not just, I mean, it is. It's either get on the same side or let somebody else who has conflicting uh, thoughts about hunting in wedge us apart, right? It's like there's like I have an issue with people who let their dogs run wild on the landscape because it affects my hunting. Yep. Okay. Now there are people out there. If I bitch too loud about that, certain people are like, Dude, dogs really don't have an impact on the landscape or, you know, coon dogs or whatever for long, for long periods of time. Okay. Yeah. But I feel it is the right. If a guy wants, if it's legal in a state and a guy wants to go run dogs to chase lions, he dude, kudos to that guy. Cause he's, he's out there, he's doing it. That's his passion. Who am I to say, ah, dude, you can't do that. We don't, I don't want you to do that. That's, you know, especially if I'm another hunter, I should be supporting that person because yeah. I'm going to need his support when someone's coming up to me and saying, well, I think we should change a couple laws. I think we should allow more non-residents to come in. I think we should do all, you know, all these things. I need this. I need his support. I need this right. guy's support for when when they try to take something away from me. So, well, the crazy thing about it is though is that um, we as hunters and outdoorsmen like uh, are inherently very stubborn people mm-hmm. uh, in general. Yep. And um, like I've listened to podcasts of yours where you talk about like crossbows and whatnot, and like I'm on board, man. I, I totally believe that you know if you're able-bodied and you're you know not like a senior citizen or you know, under the age of 18 or whatever, then, you know, you shouldn't be using a crossbow. Um, Honestly, I mean, I've literally, uh, my brother hunts with a crossbow. He bought a brand new, pulled out of the box, like no shit, shoot it, like dead on. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, but I'll tell you right now, my brother's wounded more gear than anybody I know with that crossbow. And he has like an overconfidence. He thinks like, oh, I could pull that shot off. And me with my bow, I'm like, dude, I can't take that shot. That's yeah. like 50, 60 yard shot. And like, it's dropping a bomb, you know, but to, you know, a person with that, um, and we have our own issues, you know, and it's like, it's so hard for us. Like, basically what I'm saying is like, it's just so hard for us to figure out, like, where do we draw the line in the sand? Yeah. Because everyone wants it easier. They want more people doing it. They want to make it easier so more people do it. But it's like we got we got to come to a head somewhere and say yeah. like, hey, uh, look, like it's gonna suck. It's not gonna be fun. You just need to rip the bandaid off and be like, this is what it is. And yeah. either, you know, either it is letting, 
you know, like you say, like, uh, like I deal with the non-resident, like taxes are so cheap in New York. It's insane. It's so stupid. Like I hate it. I'm like we shouldn't make our tax more, but they won't, but we have thousands and thousands of hunters in, in Pennsylvania. You can't shoot spikes. They have an APR for the whole state. So what do they do? They come up here. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we don't have any other point restrictions. And tags are like 60 bucks for an out-of-state. For a non-resident? Holy smokes. Yeah. And you can buy them over the counter. There's no draws. There's no nothing. I think our dough tags, we have like a little dough lottery, which is retarded. But, um, you know, it's just like, man, uh, this state, the hunting is, is it's, it's like what you – like when you go down the rabbit hole, it's like what you envision Iowa, you know, and like, you're like, Oh my God, it's just going to be like, like, dude, I live that life. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's frustrating, man. I don't think here's what I feel about Iowa. I don't think Iowa is ever going to not have big bucks. I think the direction, and there's a couple laws, there's two laws that hold a lot of weight into the future of Iowa. And if those laws get passed, you might as well just tell people, unless you own property, are willing to lease or outfit, you will not hunt deer in Iowa. That's how bad I think it's going to get, especially if you're looking for any type of quality of size. Okay. And so far in my life, I've been able to, I don't own land. And I do not lease or I've never used an outfitter, okay? I'm not saying that, that any of that's wrong, but I'm, I'm currently, other than my tags and my gas and my hunting gear yeah. and equipment, I'm not paying to actually hunt, okay? Right. And so, but that is the direction that Iowa, especially southern Iowa, is going. I mean, I hunt on a property that is owned, it's, it's owned by a non-resident, and it who is not a hunter and it is surrounded by non-residents who only hunt once every couple of years so yeah with that said um it's just very like that's that is the direction it's going if you have money money i mean that's it period money money, money. will buy you hunting access and so or if you have money and you want bigger deer that's how you get it it's through it's exactly. through money Right. So it sucks that that's the direction that all of this is going, really. And right. uh, hunting is becoming easier. Hunting is becoming a uh, a pay to play. I don't know if you want to call it a sport, uh, whatever you call hunting. Right. You got to pay to play. And so yeah. that's the direction it's going across the entire country, unfortunately. And uh, I don't know how to feel about it man because i like i said i'm a i'm a bit of a hypocrite and i am in some way shape or form responsible for this for this movement and i've done really no, i've done i've done more than the average person who makes content but still i'm i'm not doing anything about it and so it sucks but that's the way it is man yeah that's the way it's going and yeah yeah what am I like? What what's a guy supposed to do? Like he has these days, he has options: throw money at it, or go learn a new skill. If, like, if you told my dad he's sixty five and let's say he lost a farm, and I said, "Well, now you got to go," uh, my or or your let's just use your grandpa for example. Let's say, for hypothetically, he's been doing what he's been doing 
on public or on a farm that he did not own. And they took him off that farm and said, sorry, it's, it's, we're going to do something different from it now. Is he going to go stomp public at that age? They physically can't. Exactly. That's what I'm getting yeah. at. It's like yeah. there's, there's a group of people right now who are holding on by a thread. I feel like I'm one of them before I have to jump into the outfitting, not necessarily outfitting, but probably leasing ground. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be forced to do that at some point, especially if my kids want to hunt, right? I can right. go, I can go stomp through public, but I'm going to run into a hundred other people. And so well, uh, I, I think that there's a lot of people with the mentality that I have is like, make where you're at good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, I like going to hunt different places. It's fun. It's, you know, adventurous, but at the same time, like I'm also like humans are also naturally lazy people too. Yeah. And I don't want to have to on my own piece, put in as much work as I put in anywhere else, you know? Uh, and I think a lot of people are also, it, it's, it's starting to catch on in different places. And, um, you know, I think that we as a whole, we don't want to see a state like Iowa go to shit. Mm -hmm because then it's just i think that's from my perspective not even resident honestly never even had a had, until a couple of years ago and i idea to go hunt there um i mean i always watched uh when i was younger of uh, who's the one dude who they own like shit ton of land in iowa uh the lakoski yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always seen them on TV, and it's just like, well, that's just what happens out there, you know. But never thought it would be a uh, actual option to get out there. And I know that I'm not. There's not a 200-inch deer behind every tree in Iowa. Like, I know that. Like, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we don't want to see like your state go that bad to where even the people that are residents there have to lease land you know they don't yeah. they don't have that because it's just it's bad for everybody and uh i feel like if you can't see that then you're a pretty short-sighted person you know to yeah. realize that, that you know we need to hold on to certain places um or they'll be just like this place and no one will be having any fun i have friends that live in kansas and they were stationed up here in new york with me and they're like they won't even hunt here they're like no like, come on, let's go hunt. Mary. Why? Stupid. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time and energy to shoot a little deer when I can go back home and shoot like a 160s, you know, like it's nothing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, well, you got a point, man. I mean, yeah. yeah. Lots to think about, lots to talk about. But, Justin, man, I really appreciate you taking time. We had some really good conversation today. Um, absolutely I, I appreciate you and, and uh, good luck this upcoming season man and i would say good luck shed hunting but i bet you shed hunting in the big woods is pretty hard i have found some and uh it is it is hard but they're all like little dinks and, uh, <laughs> which makes it harder do. right yeah right yeah you don't get too excited about it yeah cool man well hey good luck this upcoming season yep you too thanks appreciate it